Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today's guest on The Business of You is David Fischette. David is the chief creative CEO and most importantly, co-founder of an agency called Go West Creative, which is based in Nashville. Go West is a really interesting agency, unlike any other agency I've read about, but they produce everything from music videos to live experiential events. They have studios that people record in and artists record in. They also have a new part of their offerings, which is spoken cinema. Uh, they've had that for a, for a few years, and that is something really unique. I highly recommend people look into the spoken cinema offerings of Go West Creative. But David has a very interesting journey to founding his agency. In fact, he started his agency at the ripe old age of 20 when it was originally uh, a DJ company. David's background is as a guitar player, and he was a performer in a band, and he was also a singer. From the, from the age of 15, he um, started playing guitar and really expanded into performing and growing a business with a partner and a funder, and eventually he bought them both out. But I won't tell you all the story on the intro. Definitely tune into today's episode of The Business of You and learn all about David Fischette and his incredible agency, Go West Creative, and hear about some of the very special experiences they've created for companies and brands such as the United Nations, Farmers, Aetna, Inspire Brands, DuPont, Petco, and CVS, and they've worked with artists such as Blake Shelton, John Legend, Cheryl Crow, Jay Lendo, Earth, Wind & Fire, and even Josh Groban. I hope you enjoy today's episode. David, welcome to the Business of You. So great to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Appreciate you. Appreciate you inviting me out. Excited to dive into your story. Me too. Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna tell it. You're the you're the author oh, right. here. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of your story, um, where did you grow up? Well, grow up. Uh, I was actually I was born in upstate New York in Rochester, New York. Ah. Uh, moved to Los Angeles just before I turned five. Wow. So I, I grew up in California, and I, I I grew up in in LA, and. Uh, Lived there until I was uh, 50 and then uh, moved here to the lovely city of Nashville. When did you move to Nashville? And nine years. Uh, it'll be nine years this year. So okay. that kind of gives you my age. Look at that. Put it all together. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing the math. 
but I am born and raised in Buffalo, New York. We didn't get to oh, chat wow. about that pre-show. So that's, um, that's, good. That's lovely. We good. both come from that balmy climate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I still remember the blizzards as a young child. We would um, slide from our roof to the ground. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's incredibly cold up there. So what what made your family move to Los Angeles? That's a really massive move. I mean, totally across the country, very different culture. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good one. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, that uh, that was my uh, dad made the decision. And if he if he were around today, he would tell you the story was because my mother had rheumatoid arthritis. She needed to be in a drier climate. Um, like California. But I think the truth lies more in trying to get away from his family. Ah, okay. I think, I think it's more, uh, you know, he was, he was the youngest, like, like I, like I am in my family. And I think he um, was tired of living under the shadow of his older brothers and wanted to strike out and do something different. And uh, yeah, so made his way West as, as it were. He, yeah, literally. Uh, yep. It's in, it's in my bones. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. So were you a creative child? I don't think I necessarily was a creative child. I think I had a lot of insecurities as, as a kid, probably. Um, don't remember a lot of my childhood, and that's probably not a good thing either. Uh, but it really was uh, 15 years old when I uh, got my first guitar and started to learn to play guitar. And I think that's where creativity um, caught hold in my in my life. And, um, you know, started playing, started writing, started performing. Um, and that led to theater. And, uh, you know, um, I went on to be a classical voice major in, in college. Um, and just this sense of seeing the world through an audience experience, right? And that that has really uh, been the thing that has driven me. And I understand my giftings really about helping communicate concepts to a large audience, whether that's an audience in front of us or something uh, through broadcast or through video or uh, through um, you know, webinars or whatever it is, just being able to do things differently to communicate in a way that feels a little more authentic and sticky to catch people in their heart um so uh, yeah that's yeah i think it all started started around 15 and i blossomed yes. I don't th- yeah i just can't really think of a lot of like things that i you know i'm not a great artist um but i am really wonderful stick figures uh to <laughs> communicate ideas but i just wasn't that kid that was like really into art and yeah. creative stuff yeah younger well, performing in a band, I think, takes a lot of guts and courage. Did mm-hmm. and you played the guitar, so you probably were front of the stage too, right? I was front of the stage. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was, uh, you know, uh, I usually played rhythm guitar and sang, so I was definitely wow. up front. Yeah, so a bold, a bold teenager for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Whether you're good or bad. Yeah, I was up front. <laughs> yeah. So. How did you found your um, creative studio? What was the the inspiration for that, and what was the the path to that? Yeah, so it really it really came back to um, that that guitar, right? I um, I had uh, several bands that I was in, and when I was in my um, 
late teens and uh, you know, about 20 years old, had a uh, financial backer that was a big fan of our band that, you know, paid for all of our rehearsal studios and took care of the band, bought us a huge sound system. And that huge sound system sat in my parents' garage. And uh, because all the studios we rehearsed at had sound systems, all the clubs we played at had sound systems, we didn't really use the sound system much. So I got the idea uh, with a buddy of mine to get a couple of turntables and start a mobile DJ company with that sound system. And uh, that's what we did. And then uh, six months later, we bought out the financial backer. And then um, two years after that, I bought out my friend. And that 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 DJ company continued to grow. And we were, you know, by the early 90s, um, we, we founded in uh, November of 84. And by the early 90s, we were the second largest mobile DJ company in Southern California, doing about 1,300 a year. And then, you know, from there, it started going, well, let's bring in audio, let's bring in lighting, let's bring in video, let's create content to go on the video, which we call multimedia back then, right? And that's how, how the company just continued to grow. And then at some point, about 20 years ago, we said, you know, all these things that we do, these tactical things we do as, uh, you know, audio, lighting, staging, decor, whatever, those are just tools in our toolbox. What we're really doing is we're listening to our clients and helping them tell their story in the most creative way. And so we're really a creative agency. We're not a event company. Right, right. So you have always done what you're doing. You never yeah. work for anybody else. This, 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 this November will be 39 years since I started the company. Wow, that's amazing. It is. It's a, been a wonderful, rocky, up and down kind of road. Yeah. I mean, not having worked in an agency yourself, I'm sure you've had uh, some bumps and bruises along the way. Just uh, I, I myself have never worked in an agency and I've had mine for about uh, almost 15 years. And I think, gosh, I wish I could have worked in an agency for a little while. So what were sure. what were some of the harder lessons you've learned along the path? Oh, I think I think the the I mean the the hardest one for me was that I was always always trying to make myself and the company look bigger and more successful than it actually was. Right? I felt like I had to put this perception out there for so many years when I was young and dumb. Um, and you know whether we were doing great financially or horrible financially, I was always you know we're doing amazing, right? Our our <laughs> it's actually pretty embarrassing. Our slogan. And the original the original name of the company was Audio Ecstasy when we were a DJ company. So it's just it continued to change its name and over the over the course of the 39 years. But our original slogan was when image is everything. Oh, <laughs> right? Which is interesting. Yeah. Right? You know, it's such a such a peek into the position of our heart, my art at the time, where I was like, okay, that's that's really silly. Um, but um yeah, so I, I think we made I made a lot of you know bad financial decisions, business decisions, just to try to make sure that I could impress people, and uh, you know, and and truly, I think the thing that has been the way that I've connected the most with people authentically is when I've shared the actual business struggles in the in the year we almost went out of business, right? Because, you know, somebody embezzled money and, and things like that. And, and it's, you know, people people are actually drawn to the authenticity. So it just took me a lot of years to to realize that I don't have to puff up my chest and try to be just something I'm not. I'm just, 
I'm just a guy that's been doing this and working really hard for a long time. And sometimes we have wins and sometimes we have losses and, but we're just persistent, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What is your focus or um, either industry wise or even in terms of what you're offering clients, what would you say is most in demand today within your creative company? Oh gosh. Well, the lion's share, I mean, if you, if you look at from a straight revenue side of things, the biggest line item on our balance sheet would be um, large event, large scale event production, right? Just because um, it costs a lot of money to do these shows and they're half a million a million, two million, three million dollar show. So the, there's just a big ticket. But I'm a firm believer that a lot of what we do, audio, video, lighting, staging, you have to have flawless execution on all of that. And I feel like that's the ante to get into the conversation with a lot of these these brands. So that's not the stickiness that keeps us involved with the brand. It's the things that maybe aren't as financially uh large in the overall scope of things uh but it's the working with the executives writing their content um doing executive coaching helping them shape their message those are the things that keep us in relationship with our clients so that we can have the opportunity to get those half a million, million, two million, three million dollar projects, right? Because they trust us to do the the whole thing. Um, and um, so, so if you look at that, and then you know, we also, you know, our our company is so interesting because we have the 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 event side of of what we do, and that's a large portion of the business. But we also have the content side, right? I'm sitting in one of our uh, four studios here in Nashville. Um, where we have people come in here just to you know, rent the studios or to do music videos, or we do a lot of uh, virtual broadcasting for clients, but uh, also creating our own content, television shows, the um, movies, uh, short films, that type of thing. And then we have an agency side of the business, which is just straight digital agency, social agency, experiential agency. And that's all we do for certain clients. Um, and then uh, our, our last piece is this, what I refer to as our lightning in the bottle. We have a product called Spoken Cinema that we uh, have partnered with a um, a spoken word artist out of Los Angeles by the name of Steve Connell. And uh, we've been you know creating these pieces together for over a decade for large corporations. And these are you know five to seven minute pieces that either open a show or if it's a charity thing, it's before they ask or we close. But it's connecting people in the audience specifically to what it is they do, not what their job is, but what what they cause by the thing that they do. I don't just make a steering wheel on an assembly line. I create a way for mom to get their kids home safely from soccer practice, right? I mean, connecting people to that. And so when Steve writes a piece, then our team creates a digital landscape and, and then we do an original music score. So when he performs, it's like he's standing in a movie and every word that he speaks comes to life behind him. So we do a lot of that work. And a lot of times those aren't even Go West clients. We might be working with a different production company or a different agency on the execution of the project, but we just come in to do this, you know, five minute opening, seven minute opening, and then we're out. Right. 
And is yeah. that done live typically, or is it a yeah. recorded uh, the majority, video? The majority oh. of it is is live. So if you've got you know, 3,000 people in your audience, that would be the the moment that kicks the whole conference off or it brings the CEO out or something like that. And what we find is because it's a, a neutral party up there, he can speak on behalf of the brand, he can speak on behalf of audience, right? And then when the CEO comes out, he pulls a couple of lines from what Steve said, right? And go, and that, that goodwill transfers on to, to the CEO. And it is, it's, it's a really... And often we've done, you know, in the last 10 years, we've done, uh, you know, just north of uh, 250 pieces. Wow. That's amazing. So, Gosh. Yeah. Two, so two things are really coming to mind as you're sharing that is one, you've really diversified your business too, right? And I'm assuming that's happened over the, the 39 plus years. Is it more recent, like say the last decade that you've extensively diversified the business? Yeah. I would say the last 10, 12 years, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, we've had, um, we've really honed in on who we are, what, what we do and what our focus is. And we've been, um, really, uh, embedded in the last years in the last decade, 12 years in, um, the CMO world in the chief marketing officer world. We, um, We've had a, a long-standing uh, relationship with an organization called the CMO Club, which is a private membership-only uh, uh, organization for uh, chief marketing officers of very large companies. And we produce their summits all over the U.S. and, and uh, Europe and handle uh, many things for them. And um, what that did is that gave us a seat at the table with a lot of these CMOs that opened up a lot of opportunities for us as, as a business, but it also gave us as a team such a wonderful education into marketing and brand for those of us that didn't go to school and study marketing and brand, right? I don't have an MBA in, in marketing. You know, I, was, I was a classical voice major for goodness sakes. You know, you take that to the bank. Um so, uh, yeah, but to just hearing the, you know, uh, data analytics and, and, and what, what the, what the state of, uh, you know, brand marketing is, is about from the, the brightest marketing minds in the world and doing that on an ongoing basis over years and years has really sharpened our focus as an, as an agency. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, we have really, really smart people, much smarter people than me, much more creative people than me on staff here that really handle, uh, um, uh, you know, the day-to-day with a lot of those agencies. And then, you know, I, I work on, you know, strategy mostly um, and, 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 you know, kind of plan out a big, bigger vision with, a, with those type of clients. Mm-hmm. How did you, you said, you know, we really have honed in on who we are this last decade or so. What did mm-hmm. you do to figure that out? Did you hire someone externally to help or was this all internal I think it's hard to do it for yourself, right? Even if you do it for clients, it's hard to do that kind of work for yourself. Yeah, it's hard hard to take the time to do it do it for yourself, right? Because people are paying you, and you want to do that work. Um, we've had we've had a really great board of directors here at, at GoS, um, and uh, we we've run that for you know we've had a, a board for at least the last twenty years. Uh, there are additional shareholders. So we, we've had to do a lot of that deep dive work to understand who we are and what do we want to be when we grow up and what what is what does it look like to be intentional in growing our our brand <clears throat> in you know in companies like like 
this that are founder driven uh it's it's really easy um for those companies just to be a, a place where the founder lives and dies and when the when the founder's gone it's you know what what happens to the company so we've been really intentional about building out a team a succession team right you know so uh you know uh we we've we've brought in a uh uh, a chief operating officer and a president who basically runs the, the whole company. Everybody reports up to her, and uh, you know she reports to me, and that, that and that's and that's and that's it. And and it, it's been able to be really in, in, intentional with taking time and stepping back with our marketing, with our brand, and go, okay, so who are we? Um, where where do we really shine, and how do we best communicate to the world what it is? we do um and what it is we don't want to do right because I'm, I'm a big believer that the the way to hold on to clients is to be authentic and to build trust and and sometimes the best way to build trust is to tell a client no we're not the right agency for you or this is not the right project for you or we, we can't help you on this one as opposed to just saying yes and taking everything right right what has been the single best marketing or sales tactic you've taken over the last years to really scale your business? Like what really moved the needle to help you go from this kind of uh, image driven to this really stepping into your authenticity too? Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm going I'm to circle it right back to the CMO club. CMO club has been the, um, has been the single best marketing decision we, we've ever made and it's a 100 no selling environment there is no selling there's no talking to people about it but it's just being in the room with these people and them seeing our work and just that's our work and this is what we do and then building relationships with them that we've had you know a tremendous amount of opportunities that have arisen out of that organization and then also you know, um, you know, with our existing clients that maybe didn't come through uh, CMO, uh, um, just really scaling through internal operations, right? So we've had you know, several of our big clients that you know, you know, this company got sold, and then now that they're part of a bigger organization, and how do we, how do we then? you know, infiltrates the bad word, it sounds, you know, pejorative, but uh, how, how do we get ourselves, you know, opportunities in other parts of that now larger scale organization, um, you know, get get more opportunities that way. But it's the same thing, trust in them. Uh, in, and then, you know, this person from this department seeing what we did over here and they're going, right. okay, we trust that they can execute for us. Right, right. Interesting. Would you say, did that relationship or that, you know, your savviness to realize to join an organization like that, did that help bring about your ability to be more authentic as a leader or was it the other way around? You kind of tapped into this, you know, I really just need to to be more myself. And then you stumbled upon this, this organization. Yeah, I would say, I would say that didn't necessarily have to do with the CMO club. I think that had more to do with me just getting my ass kicked, right? And coming to a place where it's like, you know what? Um, something something bigger is at play and I'm not really 
control, right? And you know, and it's it's just best to like play the cards and be uh, upfront and authentic. And the the reason we got into you know troubled times when when we did was because I took my eye off of the business office because I was out selling and executing and somebody else was doing that didn't realize what was happening internal and and by the time i found out it was it was um it was really really it was it was close to being too late and uh that was a very uh humbling time and you know we had to the only way the only way to get through that time was to be 100% transparent, vulnerable, authentic with people and go, this is the only path that I see for us moving forward. And I'd love for you to be on this journey with us. And, um, and that, and that served us well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you say your personal brand helped build your, or helps build your um, go West creative brand, your business brand or the other way around? Um, I, I would, yeah, I would definitely say that, you know, as Go West was formed, yeah, my, um, uh, my ex-wife Robin is, uh, still, still my business partner, right? So, you know, she's co-founder of this, uh, company and we built this company, uh, based on, you know, who, who, who we were, you know, from, from, from a garage and, and through our, you know, um, through our friends and through our social network and things like that. So I, I would definitely say that the organization, as it continued to grow, you saw, you know, the key figures in the organization. Um, and that that was what the brand of the organization was. And I would say that has shifted now because it's no longer, you know, my ex-wife is no longer in the day-to-day -day business. I'm I'm still the face of a lot of things, but I think Eileen is now slowly becoming the 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 face of the brand more and more. And we have some really great rock star um, uh, employees that are really rising rising up, and they're becoming the face of the brand. So the 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 our, our brand voice is shifting a little bit. I think that's I think that's good, right? Because you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 60 years old next year, and I don't think it does. I don't think it does our brand any favors, you know, necessarily being the, um, the only voice being a 60 year old white guy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How, so how are you tactically doing that? I mean, you mentioned that you're have quite a few, um, speeches coming up. You're still producing large scale events. Mm -hmm. How else are you growing your personal brand? And then how are you fostering, some of your internal team to to foster their personal brand. Sure, yes, yeah, kind of two two different things. You know, obviously, for the internal team first, you know, we want to understand what it is people want to do with their lives, right, and where they want to go. And you know, you may have this person that's you know over here maybe as an assistant, but they really want to be over in the content department. And it's like, what is that path for them? And our producer, what is the path to go from a production coordinator to an executive producer? And that's a, that's you know, that could be a decade path, but you know, they're, they're, what what is that? And really finding out from people, is this the industry they want to be in? Right? You know, that's that's you want to do something else because it's not an easy industry for me um and as I, I look at you know what the the next chapter looks like for me and as i you know continue to 
build opportunities for you know David Fichette, not necessarily go west, sometimes go west, but you know, you know for me, my heart is doing um, larger projects that touch people and touch people's hearts, right? So there's been a lot of really beautiful projects that we've done over the years that were gratis projects. So we didn't we didn't charge at all for. But you know, I felt like it was so important to communicate to people in a certain way. Um and 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 to um get a message out in front of people. So as we you know, I was talking about in this in our pre-call, you know, on, on Monday night, uh, having the opportunity to go in and direct and uh, produce um, a show for uh, over a thousand teachers here in the Nashville area that have been uh, affected, obviously, by the shooting at Covenant School uh, a few weeks ago and having those actual teachers there and being able to take both um, uh, therapeutic education elements that'll be in that right which is some heady stuff and then put that with some music and you know some celebrities that'll be performing and and emotional songs and how do we weave together a story that is a show but is also an authentic learning and healing experience right and for me those are the type of things that i just absolutely love is what give me those puzzle pieces and let me put that together and 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 find a way that that we can deeply connect to the audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And how full circle that you're in a place that you can do that now too, right? Um, after right. some of your challenges along the along the path. Right. Um, yeah. I love your tagline, the find your true West. Can you share how you came to that and what that means for you? Sure. Sure. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tagline, you know, it, it just recently became uh, an official tagline, but it's something we believe in here. Right. So everybody talks about a true North, uh, and we believe deeply in a true North. The true North is your purpose. The reason you were put on this planet, the, the thing that drives you over today, the thing that you're going to be remembered for long after you're gone. But we believe your true West is your your sense of curiosity, your sense of adventure, your sense of exploration and creativity that helps you on your path to really fulfill your true north. So it feels like those two things really go well together. So we kind of call it finding your true north, your true northwest. Mm-hmm. Your true northwest. True northwest. <laughs> Is, do you ever uh, take on clients that you feel really don't know their true West and you have to guide them to figure it out? Sure. Yeah, yeah ab- ab- absolutely. Right. A lot of times clients know their true North. They know who they are as a, a brand and they know what they would like to do and how they would like to grow. But there's a lot, there's a lot of fear in the true West. There's a lot of fear and exploration and adventure and doing things Differently and 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 getting outside of your comfort zone, and um, you know, so it's you know, it, it comes down to building that trust with 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 the client. Okay, well, if we're going to um, fail, let's get in there, let's roll up our sleeves, and let's fail fast and learn from that. Right? That's 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 that's, that's how we how we uh, we we try to roll with our clients, and and sometimes it you know, it's a it's a very um, you know, uh, tedious process sometimes to kind of get them 
there. You know, we just we just got word from a client that uh, reached out to us back in January saying, starting a new job, need you guys to come and partner with us and uh, really help me, um, you know, shape the marketing as we move forward. And I just want to hit the ground running when I get there in two weeks. Well, it took us till well, we're almost the end of April here to get the thumbs up to say, okay, we can now, we actually now move forward because once she got to the new job, she had to sell the idea of being a little bit disruptive into other people in the organization and, 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 um, you know, and we had to do all of our due diligence and do our work up front, but now we're, now we get, get, get going and, you know, we'll prove ourselves in the next two to three months if that was the right, right. decision for that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What would be your advice to brands that are growing and scaling, um, in terms of how to get some attention, online or, you know, in person in a world that is so, um, like saturated with media. Now we have AI, you know, starting to create various forms of content. What would be, um, your best advice to those companies? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of experiential. I just, I, I just am. And, you know, and the, and the beauty of experiential is you don't need you don't need 10,000 people to see your experience. You need 50 to 100 people to experience something authentically, capture that content, and that content goes out. And the you know, you know, that's the thing that spreads like wildfire. And there's some incredible e examples of that out there that, that other people have done. And I actually I saw one show up recently. It was um, when they did the reboot of the movie Carrie. I don't know if you ever saw this. They did the reboot of that that seventies movie Carrie uh, about, about eight or ten years ago, and they staged a stunt in a coffee shop in New York City, where you know uh, a woman gets bumped into by some guy and she freaks out and yells and he like flies up a wall right and then she screams and all the all the books and the bookshelves come flying off of this coffee shop right and it was all rigged right with stuntmen and people like that but they did it multiple times during the day and the people in the coffee shop had an original visceral reaction to this thing it was so authentic that they're freaked out and people are running out of the coffee shop going, I don't understand what's happening. So just seeing, you know, there were 30 people in the coffee shop, but that video going viral was so amazing to really push out, right. What, what, you know, what they're trying to push out is like Carrie in this, and so you know we've done we've done things you know similarly uh, you know sexy hair was a big uh client of ours for many years and uh about um 10 years ago they they were using marilyn monroe as their the likeness of marilyn monroe and all their marketing and they had to deal with the estate of marilyn monroe. and so on the actual anniversary the 60th anniversary of the seven-year itch then that famous photo of marilyn with her skirt being blown up right they said, what can we do? And so we we worked together with their head of PR and we created this an event. It was a one-day event. And we went to that corner uh, in New York City uh, at uh, 59th and Lexington, built a small, low-profile stage with a super high-powered fan with a, what looked like a subway grate over it. And we had models up there all day long getting their skirt blown up. But then anybody walking by could have their Maryland moment and they could come up and have their skirt blown up. And so, so you were, you know, and again, super simple activation, yeah. right? I think, yeah. I, I think all in, all in it was like a $25,000 activation, not expensive okay. at all. 
but just hundreds of millions of impressions around the world for something so simple like that. Right. Right. Uh, And, you know, again, working with the estate of Marilyn Monroe, their biggest concern was what people were wearing under the skirts. Oh, okay. Because Marilyn Monroe was wearing two pairs of underwear the days she did that, that shoot. And so, so we, I had to do the phone call with them and talk through uh, undergarments. And so we settled on booty shorts. So, so the night before the event, I'm at H and M in New York city buying um, 20 pairs of booty shorts in all sizes from zero to uh, 24. So, but it came in, they signed the rise, uh, the, the, the waiver went into a dressing room, put on the booty shorts and they could go up there and get their skirt blown up. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. What a great example. What do you feel is like next on the horizon for Go West? I mean, it sounds like you've thought of everything, quite honestly. You've got a succession plan. You have a team. You're really expanding and diversifying your offerings, but, you know, yet staying in a lane. Yeah, uh, I I think it's 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 uh, exponential growth. We've had um, we've had a few really, really great years, Um, you know, and there's some. survivor guilt in there uh that during 2020 uh we had our best year and at that point 36 years and then and then that continued to grow in 21 and then by 2022 we are up 250 percent over 2021 so it just really exponential growth and i think leaning into um the brilliance of some of the people that work for me i think uh eileen brings with her such um such a wealth of knowledge and how to scale an organization. She came from the last two companies she worked at before she was here were, were, you know, multi-billion dollar organizations, which were just under multi-billion. Well, maybe we're way under multi-billion. Um, <clears throat> so uh, she's, she's really been uh, so instrumental in helping us scale. And I think that that's it and opening up uh, uh, other areas of operation um you know we have we have team members all across the country so i think it's just really fine-tuning the clients that we have right now the projects we have right now and continue to to grow and bring in in, uh, more and more new clients and then one last question how you mentioned that the greatest revenue on your spreadsheet is from live events producing those how did 2020 end up being your best year given so much was shut down Good question. <clears throat> we had started doing virtual broadcasting. Um, uh, before that. Uh, uh, you know, satellite broadcasting, corporate broadcasting in 1999. Oh, okay. Right. So we, you know, we had 20 years of experience of doing that type of work and that kind of that television vibe. So it wasn't, it was never a big part of our business, but in 2020, we threw all of our weight, efforts, money, uh, uh, and resources against um, building that out and uh, building it out in a way that was engaging. Cause a lot, of, I think a lot of people were trying to figure out <clears throat> how to engage with a screen. And a lot of people were doing this type of thing and putting this up as a virtual event. And this is, you know, this is great for podcasts. This is great for a webinar, but this is not engaging for uh, a thousand people to sit down and watch together. Right. right they, for uh, sure. So it, so um, so we started creating corporate television. We were doing television shows. 
we weren't taking what they were doing in ballrooms or conference centers and putting a camera on that and pushing it out. We are creating actual television shows. And that's what really um people people's brains got that. CEO comes out, does seven minutes, right? And then tosses it to a commercial. Commercial carries some of his content. He's back, he's sitting at a desk interviewing somebody, and our brain yeah. gets that. So we right, understand. Right, right. Show or a sports center type show or yeah. you know, <clears throat> 60 minutes type show and all, all that type of thing. And that that's what really uh put us over the gold line. Okay. So interesting. It reminds me a little bit of the Saturday Night Live format too. A little bit, yeah. Everything yeah. everything was a little yeah. Um, one more thing that really strikes me, I was going to mention this earlier, is I feel like you've built Go West to really tap into all your creative strengths, too. Uh, you know, you've got the music aspect, you've got the production piece, like you're just feels like it would almost be like a playground for you from on a day to day. Yeah, you would think. It is, and it is. <laughs> Except you know, for the stress of running a business, but yeah. There's that, you know, it's, you know so... <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so what happens is I do have all these beautiful tools here and toys and incredible team that, that takes care of it and runs these things. But because I spend the majority of my day in meetings and talking to clients, the creativity for me comes 7 PM till one o'clock in the morning, 3 AM to seven o'clock in the morning. That, that So when I'm, <clears throat> I can go be quiet, then I can, Right. And so last night, the, you know, like I mentioned, I was, I was up till the one o'clock last night writing the show that we're doing Monday night uh, for the teachers, you know, just kind of get it all out of my brain. Right. What do you do for creative inspiration for yourself personally? Yeah, it's outside. It's nature. It's it's hiking. It's, it's water. It's, you know, um, uh, and then um, Google. Google gives me a lot of inspiration, right? I, I spent I spent a lot of time going, huh? And I'll just think of a word and hit that and look at images and things like that. And I'm a, a pacer, <clears throat> so I like I like a whiteboard, and I like to um, pace and walk around and have like a ball or something in my hand that I I always play with. And then I um, um like as I mentioned before, I'm horrible at drawing, but I'll do. Here's what I think the stage should look like, right? My yeah, little stick. Yeah send it to the team and go, can you make something out of this? Awesome. David, where's the best place for people to learn about you and learn about your company? We'll put the links in the show notes. Sure. Yes. Hit our, hit our website at gwcg.com, gowestcreativegroup.com. <clears throat> you can find me at DigiWest on uh, socials. Um, um, and yeah, you can just get a hold of me on, on LinkedIn at David Fischat. So I'd love to chat with any of you. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate you having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.